Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. So I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Notable Newcastle Authors. This is Michael Blacksland and today we're talking to Tia Cooper, one of Australia's best-selling authors. Uh, hello, Tia. Hello, Michael. Uh, now, uh, historical romantic fiction is, uh, is something that you're very, very well known uh, uh, from right around Australia, indeed around the world. Now, with uh, that type of, of fiction, I mean, what do you find uh, attracted you uh, to actually writing it? Um, I think, well, I've always, I've always been interested in, in history, um, even as a child. I was actually born in England at Hampton Court, so I sort of, or near Hampton Court, so I kind of blame it on that. Um, but I really didn't um, start writing Australian history until I moved to, well, I've lived in Australia for a long time, but I moved to Wollombi about 10 years ago. And I suddenly found myself in the middle of this historic little village which seemed to have been bypassed by just about everybody and then I started hearing local stories and talking to people and I met the local historian and I was off and running. <laughs> you started by entering in a Mills and Boons competition and I think went from there. I mean what what makes that type of writing special for the for the reader do you think? I think um, my writing's gone away actually from the Mills and Boons things that was probably about 40 years ago that I attempted that one but um, basically they're the stories that I like to read and I found myself living in Wombay and I was hearing the local stories and, and I thought well why hasn't anybody you know written a story about about this area which of course they had but I hadn't I hadn't discovered them um, and the first one I wrote was a book called Lily, Lily's Leap and it was set just outside well, just outside Wollombi, there's a place called Ramsey's Leap, and there's a story about a convict who managed to escape the constables on his way down to Wollombi and uh, leapt off his horse and disappeared in the bush. So I sort of stole that story, if you like, and, and transferred it to a woman's point of view. Um, and it became known as Lily's Leap, but that was my first Australian historical. But at that time, nobody was interested in... Australian historicals. It was published as an e-book because fortunately um, a publisher called Escape Publishing was at the e-book branch of Harlequin in Australia and they were prepared to take gambles on unusual books and I wrote three for them and then the fourth one which was called The Horse Thief. Well, it ended, it ended up being a lot longer than the e-books. And when I submitted it to the publisher, they decided to take it to print. And since then, I've written about six of them. With historical fiction, then, um, where, where do you... Uh, it must take an awful lot of, uh, of investigation and getting into the, the characters and the time. Well, they're all set in roughly the same era, sort of from the... Some of them go back a little bit, basically the 19th century and the very early 20th century. As I, as I write more of them, obviously it becomes easier. And the fact that they're 
all set in the hunter means that I'm not sort of having to re-research an awful lot of stuff. I, um, a lot of it's there as as background for all of the books. Um, and then you, know, you hear, a, there's a, there's, I, can, I can follow a theme through my books where one piece of research is followed on to the next book. So your, your latest book, The Girl in the Painting, uh, tell us about that. Well, it's set in Maitland, mostly in Maitland. I should pos- probably say that, that my last three books have been what are called parallel narratives or dual timelines. So they're set in two different time periods. And basically, the earlier time period feeds into the later one and you don't get a resolution until until the end of the of the second story. But they're interwoven. Anyway, The Girl in the Painting, it, it tells the story of Miss Elizabeth Quinn who is something of an institution in Melbourne town and she's a pillar of society and everybody knows her but then one day she's found cowering in the corner of the exhibition gallery at the technical college and everybody knows that something strange has come to pass. <laughs> um, I should point out that the what was then the technical college is now Maitland Art Gallery. So it was set there. I was sitting, actually sitting in the coffee shop there and I think I saw Elizabeth Quinn walk past me and I thought, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Goodness me. And um, that's really where the story started. This is a little bit from the book where Elizabeth is found cowering in the corner of the exhibition centre. And Jane is her protégé and Jane has gone into the exhibition hall to try and find her. The striking of the clock in the foyer brought Jane up with a shudder. Elizabeth, where was she? She made a circuit of the gloomy edge of the room and returned to the centre then glanced at the gnashing teeth of the Ipridon, and an odd, unsettling feeling prickled the back of her neck now that the beam of sunlight had faded and darkening shadows stretched out their fingers. Elizabeth must have left while she was still talking to Mrs. Witherspoon. Jane made one more quick lap of the room and threaded her way towards the three massive Gothic arches near the back of the exhibition space, taking care not to nudge in any of the cabinets. As she rounded the last set of display cabinets, her foot caught and she turned her ankle. Steadying herself, she bent down to fasten her laces. In the corner of the room, in a damp, smelling space between two large cabinets, a figure huddled, knees drawn up to her chest, her hands cradling her head as though protecting it, and a loud noise like a moaning wind filled Jane's ears. Whoa, whoa. Aunt Elizabeth! Jane edged closer, her voice barely more than a whisper, reached down and gave Elizabeth's shoulder a gentle shake. She flinched and tightening her grasp on her head, and the hollow wail echoed again. Sinking down, Jane put her arm around Elizabeth's shoulders. What is it? Let me help you up. Elizabeth didn't acknowledge her presence. Instead, her body rocked backwards and forwards, and the strange wailing sound intensified filling Jane with a morbid sense of dread. Everything's all right. Come on, stand up. Let me get you back home. Whoa, whoa. Elizabeth's head sunk deeper onto her chest, her arms shielding her head. Jane's mind spiralled and she inhaled a steadying breath. It was Elizabeth. She knew it was. The neat, almost masculine grey suit told her so, as did the button boots she always wore. But the voice, the voice wasn't Elizabeth's. 
Whoam, whoam. It sounded like a foreign language. The awful wail intensified. Mrs. Witherspoon would come barging in at any moment. She couldn't find Elizabeth like this. Jane unpeeled Elizabeth's hands from her head, clasped her gloved fingers and eased her back against the wall, then wiped the damp hair from her drained skin. The look of horror etched on Elizabeth's face terrified her more than the dreadful wailing. Beneath her glazed, staring eyes, her skin sagged and tracks scored the powder she so carefully applied to her face every morning. What should she do? Come on, I'll help you up. You've taken a turn. At the sound of her voice, the tension left Elizabeth and she fell back against the wall. Jane eased her to her feet, slid her other arm around her shoulders and led her through the strange, cloying twilight out into the foyer. Maitland's a great place to set a story because it's got some fantastic old buildings and things like that. The girl in the painting tells the story of Miss Elizabeth Quinn. She's something of an institution in Melbourne town. And for longer than anyone can remember, she and her brother, Michael, have lived there. But one day she's found cowering in the corner of the exhibition gallery at the Technical College. And the whole town knows something strange has come to pass. This is a little bit from the book where Elizabeth is found cowering in the corner of the exhibition centre. And Jane is her protégé and Jane has gone into the exhibition hall to try and find her. The striking of the clock in the foyer brought Jane up with a shudder. Elizabeth, where was she? She made a circuit of the gloomy edge of the room and returned to the centre, then glanced at the gnashing teeth of the Dipradon and an odd unsettling feeling prickled the back of her neck now that the beam of sunlight had faded and darkening shadows stretched out their fingers. Elizabeth must have left while she was still talking to Mrs. Witherspoon. Jane made one more quick lap of the room and threaded her way towards the three massive Gothic arches near the back of the exhibition space, taking care not to nudge in any of the cabinets. As she rounded the last set of display cabinets, her foot caught and she turned her ankle. Steadying herself, she bent down to fasten her laces. In the corner of the room, in a damp, smelling space between two large cabinets, a figure huddled, knees drawn up to her chest, her hands cradling her head as though protecting it, and a loud noise like a moaning wind filled Jane's ears. Whoa, whoa! Aunt Elizabeth! Jane edged closer, her voice barely more than a whisper, reached down and gave Elizabeth's shoulder a gentle shake. She flinched and tightening her grasp on her her head and the hollow wail echoed again. Sinking down, Jane put her arm around Elizabeth's shoulders. What is it? Let me help you up. Elizabeth didn't acknowledge her presence. Instead, her body rocked backwards and forwards and the strange wailing sound intensified, filling Jane with a morbid sense of dread. Everything's all right. Come on. Stand up. Let me get you back home. Whoom, whoom. Elizabeth's head sunk deeper onto her chest, her arms shielding her head. Jane's mind spiralled and she inhaled a steadying breath. It was Elizabeth. She knew it was. The neat, almost masculine grey suit told her so, as did the button boots she always wore. But the voice, the voice wasn't Elizabeth. Whoom, whoom. It sounded like a foreign language. The awful wail intensified. Mrs. Witherspoon would come barging in at any moment. She couldn't find Elizabeth like this. 
Jane unpeeled Elizabeth's hands from her head, clasped her gloved fingers and eased her back against the wall, then wiped the damp hair from her drained skin. The look of horror etched on Elizabeth's face terrified her more than the dreadful wailing. Beneath her glazed, staring eyes, her skin sagged and tracks scored the powder she so carefully applied to her face every morning. What should she do? Come on, I'll help you up. You've taken a turn. At the sound of her voice, the tension left Elizabeth and she fell back against the wall. Jane eased her to her feet, slid her other arm around her shoulders and led her through the strange, cloying twilight out into the foyer. Newcastle boasts some award-winning and inspired authors who live and work in our city. You can access some of these stories and more via Newcastle Library's website or app. Has anybody ever, ever ever said to you, oh, look, that made me visit Wollombi or visit Maitland or actually oh, yes. want to explore? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So it, it's really quite interesting, actually. There's a lot of people that I get a lot of emails and messages from people who say, oh, you know, I walked through Wollombi and, oh, I knew exactly where that story happened. Some of them are set in Wollombi, some of them are set in Maitland, mm. and they they do drift further apart, further away. Part of the girl in the painting is set in Hill End. Mm-hmm. And another section of it in Sydney. So there's always, you know, there's a, there's a few places. But basically, I like to stick to this area, and it makes it so much easier to write them because it's, um, you know, you can walk the same path that they walked. But it's, it's fascinating for the reader to be able to uh, uh, to, to to visit those places as well. And and it's different between um, uh, actually looking at a photograph and, and reading. Of course, it's in your in your mind. Uh, but with these days, where people can Google locations or photographs or have a look at some of these old things, mm. I suppose uh, it can actually add another dimension to the whole thing. Well, certainly when I was researching the girl in the painting, uh, photographs really became very significant in the story because um, there's there's an amazing collection called the Holtman Collection of glass wet plate negatives, which are held by the, uh, I think it's the, must be the Mitchell, but they've all been digitalized. And an awful lot of them were taken in Hill End. And it was fantastic because you could just, you could see the streets, you knew what the shops were like and everything else. And the guy that was, I'm going to get his name wrong, that was the main photographer there was a man named Balfour Merlin. And so obviously I was, you know, researching a bit about him and I was looking at all of these photographs. And not very long ago, probably a couple of months ago, I got a message on Facebook from somebody and um, she said, I just thought you'd like to know that Balfour Merlin was my, is my husband's, I can't remember how many greats. Goodness me. Grandfather. Um, So we found it really exciting to read the bit about Hill End because we knew it really well from his photographs. So lovely. I love that serendipitous stuff. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's, that's very good. Thanks for listening to Chats with notable Newcastle authors. We have an inspiring array of e learning and author programs for you to be part of. To access them, visit Newcastle Library's website or app. So you've got another couple of books on the go at the moment. It must keep you very busy. It does keep me very busy. I've been doing uh, sort of one a year, really. The Woman in the Green Dress, which I wrote not a couple of years ago, came out last year, I think 2019, January. Um, it's coming out in the States in another couple of weeks. 
and they've also and the girl in the painting will be coming out there next March. So I'm really quite excited that it's uh, spreading around a little bit. No, I don't know how the Americans will take to the hunter, but we'll find out. <laughs> Um, have you had feedback from over there about how they think they'll take to you? The, the publishers, the publishers seem, have very, faith seem in very keen yes. to put it out. <laughs> so the first one hasn't come out yet, and they've already bought the next one. So I presume they seem to think that they will. Oh, that's great! We shall see. Very good to be able to uh, to be, be launched on the world stage as well. There, and I mean, hopefully, it might uh, uh, help tourism around Wollongong as well. Well, I, well, I think it does. I think it's um. I get, there's a one of the local cafes has a bookshop attached to it and they keep my books there and there's the local museum and I work down there and people often drop in. Um, I mean, I don't work down there all the time. I volunteer there every so often, but my books are down there as well. So that's really nice. And it's great talking to people because they come in looking for family history and things. And as I said to you, if you know somebody's name, you recognize it and think, oh, yes, that's right. I remember referencing them in a book. Yeah. We're very glad that uh, having come to join us in, in Wallenby, uh, we're able to, uh, to create something magical or at least help you create something magical for, for the readers out there. Well, I hope so. Tia Cooper, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Notable Newcastle Authors. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to keep our story going. This has been a Newcastle Library's real production.